Good afternoon, everyone, and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all who are enjoying uh, our reimbursement and subrogation in New Jersey webinar today. Uh, no better topic for uh, family time around the dinner table than subrogation in Section 40 for the holidays. So, uh, you know, let's get into it. Um, as always, this is a live webinar, so uh, there's a question and answer portion to it. Uh, you should be able to see on your screen what the question uh, box looks like. So you would just type your question in there and submit it, and we will address all questions at the end of the webinar. So let's get started. So Section 40, Right to Reimbursement. And before we get into the Right to Reimbursement, let's just clarify reimbursement versus subrogation. Section 40 reimbursement is the money we get back via lien on a third-party settlement or third-party judgment uh, for an action that the claimant himself or herself files. Subrogation is when, as the workers' compensation carrier, we step into the shoes of the claimant and prosecute the action on their behalf. Um, now, one thing that's important to note, uh, Section 40 differs from Section 29 in New York in that it is not self-executing. So the statute requires you to serve notice uh, via some form of registered mail. This would be certified mail return receipt requested in most instances uh, on the parties to the civil action, the petitioner slash plaintiff, uh, and to perfect your lien rights on the third party defendants themselves. Uh, if you serve the proper notice, uh, believe it or not, the Section 40 reimbursement has a lien priority over the rest of the settlement. In other words, the defendants are obligated to reimburse the lien before paying dollar one to the petitioner slash plaintiff. <clears throat> so first question to ask is, is there a potential or is there an actual tortfeasor? So what we mean by tortfeasor is a third party that's actually responsible for the claimant's injuries. Uh, these are your standard cases, slip and fall, trip and fall, motor vehicle accident, uh, things of that nature. Uh, and what we would be looking at is whether the claimant filed a lawsuit against someone. Uh, we can perform docket searches. New Jersey has moved uh, exclusively to uh, their e-courts functionality for docket searches, uh, and it's public access. Uh, anyone can do it. You can search as a guest, uh, and you can just search by the claimant's name and narrow it down using the date of loss and where the injury occurred claimant's residence, et cetera. Um, and the question we're trying to answer is whether the employee's injury was the result of someone else's negligence. And in a motor vehicle suit, if somebody else strikes the claimant's car, that's somebody else's negligence causing the injury, as opposed to the employee lifting up a box and straining their back in the course of their employment. <clears throat> so, Preserving rights under Section 40, uh, as mentioned briefly before, you do need to send a letter via some form of registered mail reserving your Section 40 rights. Uh, we recommend doing so immediately. New Jersey uh, has a two-year personal injury statute of limitations. We're going to be getting into that in a moment. Um, but as soon as the workers' compensation claim uh, gets off the ground, that's the time to start reserving your rights under Section 40 and letting all parties know you're asserting your demand for reimbursement. Uh, thereafter, you would closely monitor the civil claim, see where the pleadings are at, discovery, motions, uh, arbitrations, mediations, etc. So you would keep an eye on the civil claim after serving the requisite notice. 
So how much do we get back? Uh, as a starting point, we would typically look at our payment ledger to see the amounts paid in, paid in uh, medical benefits, temporary disability, and permanent disability. Uh, Section 40 does not allow for reimbursement on administrative uh, expenses, and there's also no lien on IMEs or uh, legal defense costs or anything of that sort. You're talking med, temp, and perm, to put it in New Jersey workers' comp terminology. Uh, what you get back actually is everything less a maximum one-third attorney's fee. This means that if the attorney's fee is less than one-third, it's whatever that percentage is, uh, and $750 for expenses of suit. And the way it works practically is the one-third comes off first, and then we subtract $750 from the number that remains, and that's our reimbursement. So... If the third party award is less than the payments that we've made, we get everything less the attorney's fee and costs by percentage. So what this means is that if the third party settlement is less than what our total amount on the payment ledger is, we have a lien on the entirety of it. It's a lien at the time of settlement, but up until that point, it's a right of reimbursement. In other words, as the carrier, that's our money. Uh, so we, if there's an excess settlement, in other words, there's a net that the petitioner or plaintiff walks away with from the settlement, we're allowed to apply a credit going forward on all payments. And you would be paying at the one-third rate until the amount of payments avoided equals whatever the petitioner's net take home from the settlement is. So how do we maximize our reimbursement? We're typically gonna wait for an offer to settle in the third party action. Uh, and then this is where it starts to get a little dicey. Every adjuster has dealt with uh, a belligerent third-party plaintiff's attorney. And you've heard every threat in the book. You know, where they threaten to abandon the claim because, you know, their liability is terrible and the workers' compensation carrier is being greedy. Uh, they say that, you know, the standard practice is a third, a third, a third. In other words, they get their fee, the claimant gets a third, and you get a third. Uh, all of that is just complete posturing and, and puffery. There's no statute, no regulation, no law requiring you to take a third of the settlement in reimbursement. Again, you have a lien on the entirety of it if you've paid in excess of the third party settlement. Uh, and to be real, uh, no third party plaintiff's attorney is going to abandon a claim after having filed the pleadings and conducted discovery and prosecuted the action. So uh, if they do abandon the claim, that's where a right of subrogation comes in. We pick up the ball and carry it across the one yard line. So uh, all of these are just posturing and we do not recommend ever taking a third, a third, a third, unless of course our lien is less than what a third of the third party settlement would be. Oops. Okay, so maximizing reimbursement continued. Uh, so where, what is our role as the workers' comp defense attorney in the third-party settlement and the third-party action? So we may have more information about what happened in the underlying accident than any other party in the case. And this is something that uh, we recommend at Lois Law Firm pushing strongly from day one. You know, there's only so many tools in the carrier's tool belt for reducing your exposure. And one of those is risk transfer. And that's something to assess 
from the moment the case comes in the door. And we will have a first report of injury. Sometimes we'll have a police report. We'll have our investigative reports for the comp claim. We'll have pretty much everything we need from the date of intake for the workers' compensation defense file. Uh, we can also suggest an expert uh, with regard to prosecuting the third party action, or uh, even if third party plaintiff's counsel is just looking for a hand on how to prosecute their claim. Uh, we may have more experience with certain kinds of cases. You know, we deal with the entire gamut of accident types in workers' comp defense. You know, it's not limited to one area of practice like, you know, you would see there's a slip and fall law firm and there's a motor vehicle accident law firm. Uh, we get all kinds in workers' compensation, so we may have more experience with different types of cases. Uh, we may have better relationships with defense counsel than plaintiff's counsel might have. You know, these uh, actions can get a little contentious, and there's a sort of in-the-trenches uh, vibe to dealing with other defense attorneys. They have carriers that they're representing that they're trying to do their best for, and, you know, we're all sort of on the same page. And in that sense, the workers' comp defense attorney can uh, sometimes serve as a neutral observer or even a mediator in the third-party action. You know, we can facilitate, you know, what would other, we otherwise be uh, a roadblocked settlement, uh, possibly by bringing the parties together or participating in settlement conferences, arbitrations, mediations, whatever the case may be. So, subrogation. If you remember at the uh, outset of this presentation, uh, we distinguished reimbursement from subrogation. And subrogation is when we serve the requisite notice, the Section 40F notice, that is, uh, and step into the shoes of the claimant and prosecute the action on behalf of the workers' compensation carrier. So subrogation, literal definition, is to put into the place of another, substitute for another. Uh, we are only subrogated to the same rights and limits uh, that the claimant themselves would have as the plaintiff. In other words, our cause of action is the same. Uh, the statute of limitations for personal injury suits in New Jersey, in most cases, is two years. Uh, there are some caveats and uh, nuances, as there are with everything in law. Uh, for instance, there was a, a very favorable case that came out recently from the New Jersey Appellate Division that said that our subrogated action in a motor vehicle accident is uh, not barred by the verbal threshold, even if the petitioner's claim would be. So in that sense, we actually have a greater right than the petitioner themselves would have, but uh, this is something you would definitely want your counsel to assess uh, from the moment you start defending the workers' compensation claim. So what can we subrogate? We can subrogate any claim against actual tortfeasors subject to certain limitations. We can subrogate a medical malpractice claim. We can subrogate a legal malpractice claim in the state of New Jersey. Uh, where you might see legal malpractice arise is if the claimant retains third-party counsel and third-party counsel misses the statute of limitations filing date. Uh, that's a legal malpractice claim pretty much per se. And if they don't want to go against you know, their family friend attorney, uh, that is something that we could choose to pick up the ball and prosecute if we so chose. <clears throat> so there are some problems with subrogation, as I'm sure you can imagine. If you have a petitioner or plaintiff that did not want to file their own third-party suit to begin with, uh, it's going to be pretty difficult to get their cooperation with discovery sometimes. 
and you know, the third party defendants and tortfeasors have a right to depose the plaintiff regarding the cause of action. So we are, as the subrogee of the plaintiff, obligated to produce them for that deposition and obligated to partake in the discovery. And to the extent that they may be unwilling to cooperate for a suit they themselves didn't even want to file, uh, it can get pretty difficult to prosecute the subrogated action. Uh, this is especially true if you're dealing with an unrepresented claimant who may not have the sophistication or wherewithal to recognize what's actually going on in both their workers' compensation claim or the third-party action, uh, and may just choose to abstain from any participation in the process whatsoever. So uh, subrogation is not without its issues. Uh, the fortunate thing is that if we choose to subrogate, which would mean a year after the date of loss, we would serve the Section 40F notice. We would then have 10, the petitioner then has 10 days to file their own suit. After that, we can file the complaint. Uh, the benefit to doing that is there's no one-third reduction to our reimbursement. There's no 750 expenses of suit. The expenses are what they are for uh, us as Workers' Compensation Defense Counsel to prosecute the claim. So now we're going to move to the uh, live question and answer portion of this presentation. I'm going to see if we have any questions here. And I do not see any questions currently. Uh, of course, we're available for any questions you might have uh, via email or via phone call. So feel free to reach out at any point and we'll be happy to address it. Uh, but in the meantime, this is Christopher Major with Lois Law Firm uh, signing off on our Section 40 Reimbursement and Subrogation webinar. Happy holidays, everyone.